morning and welcome to morning worship at Hillhead, wherever we are this morning. Our service will be led by our minister, Katrina, but we'll also hear the voices of Essan, who will be leading the Lord's Prayer in Farsi, and Ali and Emma, who will be leading our Bible passages. Our musicians this morning are Paul, Yang Yang and Neil. Just a wee reminder that during this service, we will share together in communion. So please have something ready to eat and drink when we reach that point in the service. And a wee reminder for parents and grandparents that at 2.30 this afternoon, it's Sunday School Live in the Botanic Gardens. Please gather at the main door to the Kibble Palace just at 2.30. Then at 7 p.m. this evening, Christine Johnston will lead our evening reflection. And then this week, our Advent reflections at 9 p.m. will continue. We'll be using the same Zoom invitation uh, that we'll be using throughout Advent. If you can't find my email with the link, again, it's also in the December edition of The Key, which you should have received this week. But if you're struggling, just give me a shout and I'll send it again. So that's Monday to Friday at 9pm, our Advent Reflections. And then two pieces of family news. Um, Katrina has received a message from Elham thanking everyone for their cards. So thank you everyone who has sent a, a card or a letter to Elham. And then secondly, as you already know, Margaret's funeral will be held on Thursday the 16th of December. That's a week on Thursday at Clyde Bank Crematorium at 2.30 p.m. This will be an on-site service only, and we're very aware that many of us who would want to be there will not be able to attend in person at the moment. So Katrina hopes to be able to give a copy of the entire service to anyone who can't attend so that we can share by following along at home. If you would like to request a copy of the words and the music for the funeral, just drop me an email anytime between now and the 16th of December, and I'll get that to you. I'll send out an email during this coming week with detailed guidance for anyone who is hoping to attend in person. So look out for that. It will give quite detailed guidance if you're hoping to come in person. And of course, it goes without saying, in these coming days, we ask you to continue to pray for Graham and for all of the family. Next Sunday at 11am, Katrina will lead a service of Advent readings and carols, and she will also lead our evening reflection at 7pm. But now it's over to Nikan and Nikiar and their family to light our Advent candle. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's lights this day. So we've lit a candle for the past, giving thanks for the prophets of old, who saw more clearly what God was like. His messages are recorded in the Bible. And we have lit a candle for the present, giving thanks that we still find God in the pages of the Bible and that God still 
speaks into our lives. pray together. Let us pray. God of light, as the season draws on and the days shorten, we praise you for the brightness of your glory and thank you for the warmth of your love. As we gather for worship, you are the unseen host, the one who waits quietly for us to join in and who welcomes us with a smile of greeting. At the end of another week, when for some it has simply been more of the same, and for others life has significantly changed, we are grateful for this time of connecting and of sharing in worship and in prayer. Help us now to settle into your presence, to quieten the inner voices that distract, distress or disturb. Help us now to listen for your quiet whisper, to comfort, encourage or challenge. God of light, ever present even in the deepest of darkness, we offer our praises and our prayers in the name of Christ. Amen. ای پدرم و که در آسمانی نام تو مقدس باد ملکوت تو بیاید اراده تو چنان که در آسمان است بر زمین نیست کرده شود نان کفاف ما را امروز به ما بده و گناهان ما را ببخش چنان که ما نیست آنان که بر ما گناه کردن را میبخشیم و ما را در آزمایش میابر برکه از شریر رهاییده زیرا ملکوت قدرت و جلال از آن توست تا عبد. Comfort, comfort now my people, speak of peace, so says your God. 
proclamation in the desert far and near, calling all to repentance, telling that the Lord is near. Oh, that morning cry, obey, for your God prepare a way, let the valleys rise to greet Him, and the hills bow down to me. Comfort, comfort now, my people, speak of peace, so says your God. Straighten out what has been crooked, make the roughest places plain. Let your hearts be true and humble, live as God's God's holy reign. chapter 5 from 1 to 9. Take off the garment of your sorrow and affliction, O Jerusalem, and put on forever the beauty of the glory from God. Put on the robe of the righteousness that comes from God. Put on your head the diadem of the glory of the everlasting. For God will show your splendor everywhere under heaven for god will give you every more the name righteousness peace godly glory arise or jerusalem stand up in the height look toward the east and see your children gathered from western end at the word of the holy holy one rejoicing that god has remembered them for they went out from you on foot, led away by their enemies. But God will bring them back to you, carried in glory as on a royal throne. For God has ordered that every high mountain and the everlasting hills be made low and the valleys filled up to make level ground so that Israel may walk safely in the glory of God. The woods and every, every fragrant tree have shaded Israel at God's command. For God will lead Israel with joy in the light of his glory, with the mercy and righteousness that comes from him. Our second reading is from Luke one chapter oh sorry chapter one verse 68 to 79 Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke this prophecy blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them he has raised up a mighty savior for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old 
that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. forgotten quite how much I enjoy listening to that particular piece of Advent music. 
So last week, we began our reflections for Advent by locating ourselves within the whole people of God, recognising that metaphorically, at least the whole of humanity can trace a common ancestor in Abraham or Abram, as he was known originally. And as we travel through Advent, that focus narrows down. And this week, we're invited to think about the prophets. The prophets um, in the Bible were, well, shall we say, sometimes quite strange, (laughs) often quite grumpy. And they would bring a mixture often of bad news and good news that were somehow held together. And it's certainly true that not everybody is a prophet. In fact, there are a relatively small number of prophets. And the suggestion is that by the time of Jesus' birth, there were pretty much no prophets being heard anymore. So what is a prophet? And what might we have to reflect on as we go on through Advent? So I'm going to apologise for people who've journeyed with me for the last 12 and a bit years, because you'll have heard most of what I'm going to say before. But it was good for me to remind myself of it. And maybe God's in that somewhere. A prophet is in the Bible, a person who God identifies as somebody able to see the world as God sees it to look around and see what's going on and somehow not be so totally overwhelmed by it that they become silent. So part of the work of the prophet is to denounce that which is wrong, that which is sinful, that which is not what God would desire. And they would often start by saying, thus says the Lord, you are bad, you are this, you are that. But it doesn't stop with the denouncing. They also say, well, if this doesn't change, if this bad thing that you're doing or this good thing that you're not doing doesn't change, there are consequences. Not I would like to say that God is going to smite you, although sometimes the ancient language reads that way, But if you don't change your ways, there are consequences. If you carry on like this, this is how things are going to work out. And it's not good for anybody. And in that sense, I think the ancient prophets are not unlike some of the people in our time, perhaps speaking into issues around climate change, who are saying, look, this is bad. And if we don't change, we're on a course to disaster. And that prompts a lot of protest. We can get behind these voices and we can get our banners and we can go out and feel like we're doing something. I think there is a difference between protest and prophecy. Because what the prophets also do is to offer an alternative vision. They announce something from God that will be good and life-giving and beautiful. And that's what we heard this morning in the words of Baruch, often thought to have been the the, um, scribe of the very scary prophet Jeremiah, who was full of gloom and doom. Baruch starts to announce something beautiful. Look, he says, God's coming. There is good news. There is hope. 
or the prophet Zechariah. Remember that old priest whose life was nearly done. He finally got his chance to do the main job in the temple and, and he heard that he was going to become a father. And the bit we heard is after the birth of his son, but he prophesies a good thing is coming. There is new hope. There is a new vision of God. And you, my child, John, will be the one who, who announces this. So John, too, was going to be a prophet. That's a not such a common thing to have a father prophes- make a prophecy regarding their own child. But even so, the prophet offers us a vision of hope an imagination that it could be better. Now, it may be that there are prophets on that definition of no particular faith, people who see what's wrong, they call it out, they say if we don't change, things are going to be bad, and they offer a new vision. But the prophets we're thinking about today are the people of faith specifically, who are sufficiently in tune with God and sufficiently concerned about God's beautiful creation and God's beloved people, that they speak out what is wrong and they offer a new vision. They have an imagination, if you like, of what it might be. Now for us, unlike the ancient prophets, we have 2000 years after Jesus of teaching to help us to dream that dream and imagine that vision. We have that lovely vision in the book of Revelation of the new creation or the renewed creation where death and sorrow are no more, where issues about climate change or refugees and asylum seekers or violence or all these things that are death dealing have gone and there is life in all its fullness. And so I want to suggest that today, as we think about the prophets, that's what we're asked to do. We, we talk sometimes about being a prophetic people, not that we're prophets, but we, we are prophetic. In other words, we live out. We live out the hope. We see something that should be different and we begin to live it out in our everyday life. Usually I do all the talking. And you'll just listen politely and I'll leave you to go away and think about it afterwards. But today I want to invite you, if you've, if you've got the piece of paper to hand that was suggested, you might find helpful. That's great. If you haven't, don't worry. It honestly doesn't matter. I want you to either think for yourself or of maybe some person or even an organization who you might consider to be a prophet. What is it that God sees? What is the consequence if nothing changes? And what is the new vision? And then what will I do in response? So if you've got a piece of paper and if you're somebody who finds it helpful to write or draw, you might like to use the next couple of minutes to do that. If you're somebody who prefers to reflect by thinking, that is completely fine too. So in relation to yourself or in relation to the world, just to do this. And there's a little bit of music in the background, hopefully, uh, for the next couple of minutes as we think about these things. (music) 
So we hold on to hope. We dream new dreams. We keep alert to see what it is that stands in the way of those dreams. And when it's necessary, we change our actions. That's what repenting really means, to change the way we live in order to draw us nearer to those visions becoming reality. During Advent, of course, our particular focus is looking back to the time before Jesus came. And what we catch a glimpse of in the words of those ancient prophets predates Jesus being here. And so in that we see something that gives us a hint that God will send someone, someone, the Messiah, someone, the anointed one, who will usher in the change, who will begin the new era of hope for all humanity. And that's what we're going to reflect now as we sing our next hymn together. remind us to pray at all times. We are called to pray for rulers and for political leaders. We're called to pray for those who make our lives difficult, for those we might name as our persecutors or our enemies. And of course we are called to pray for one another. These are strong and challenging words, but they are also, I'd like to suggest, prophetic words inspired by the hope of the rule of Christ and the promise of God's renewal of all creation with eternal shalom. And so let us come now to God with our prayers for others and for each other. It's hard, God to know how to pray or what to pray in a world so damaged and disordered. When television reports daily bring new and terrible accounts of suffering and atrocity, both close to home and far away. 
It's hard to hold on to the vision of a reconciled humanity and a new world order, let alone work out how we should pray. And yet you call us to do so. And so in our stumbling endeavours and our inadequate words, we try. For more than two centuries, BMS World Mission has commissioned people to be ambassadors for Christ across the globe. With a reminder of how we in the UK can support that vision and work with our financial giving, they remind us of projects as diverse as training for ministers and evangelists in Peru and Bangladesh, church planting in India, skills training in Guinea, legal aid lawyers in Mozambique, and work in women's prisons in Tunisia, as well as child protection projects in Uganda. Loving God, as we name these places and these projects, and as we glimpse the vision that moves from naming that which is wrong to working for that which is life-giving, help us to see this as more than just a list, more than another request for funds, but to see how we too in our giving and our praying, are part of the work. This week, the Baptist Union of Scotland invites us to pray for local churches in Stranraer, Strathendrick and Stromness. The alphabetical rhythm of place names hides a range of unique contexts where people of goodwill seek to live out their faith in ways that will bless their local communities. Whether they are on site or online, whether it is through acts of worship or community projects, their aim is the same, to share God's love with their neighbours. Loving God, as we name these churches and communities, as we glimpse the vision that dares to imagine new ways of doing and being church, help us with them to pray for those who are our neighbours and to discover your leading in how best to serve you, where each of us is located. In our own church, our focus for prayer includes our trustees and office holders who faithfully undertake the day-to-day -day work of enabling us to be Hillhead Baptist Church and who accept the responsibilities and the challenges of enabling us to be true to the vision that God has given us to be a church that is worshipping, inclusive, missional, prophetic and sacrificial.
and remembering that every person is equally important in our church. We name before God these friends from our diary. Adi, Moji, Esther and David. Elham, Ali, Benjamin and Bardia. Nelsi, Sal, Nikan and Nikiar. Lilius and her family. Marit and Tom. Alan. Edith and Tom. Bethany. And to them at this time, we add Graham Little, Stuart and Perio, and their wider family. Rejoicing in the diversity of age, race, interest and experience of these our siblings in Christ. We pray for them as they each face unique challenges and opportunities. May our love be active and empowering as we, with each of them, grow in faith and service. And lastly, we pray for ourselves. Each of us opening our hearts and our minds to you in order that we may find new energy and fresh imagination for our own daily lives and our own unique calling as those who try to follow Jesus. Accept our prayers in his name. Amen.
prophet Isaiah records these words. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-matured wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-matured wine strained and clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples and the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all the faces and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. This beautiful vision of a banquet shared by all people and all nations is something we glimpse when we as followers of Jesus share in this simple act. As we call to mind how he gave new meaning to what in his day was already an old and well-loved tradition. Usually we hear the words of the Apostle Paul, but today I'm turning to one of the Gospel writers and reading the account from the Gospel of Luke. When the hour came, Jesus took his place at the table and the Apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This cup, that is, this is the cup that is poured out for you and is a new covenant in my blood. And so let us pray. God of the ancient prophets, who enabled your servants to glimpse your vision of all creation, we thank you for the stories and traditions that enrich our lives. Christ, anointed one of God, who gave new meaning to familiar rituals, we thank you for the tradition handed on to us by those who have walked this road before us. Spirit, breath of life, wind of renewal, we thank you for the dreams and visions you inspire in our time. Holy God, we thank you for the mystery of what we are sharing now, praying that as we eat and drink, we may find comfort for our souls and refreshment for our lives. Amen.
Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he shared it with his friends, saying, this symbolizes my body, which is broken for you. Whenever you eat bread, remember me. Let us eat and remember. And after the supper, he took the cup and said, this cup that is poured out for you is sign and symbol of the new relationship with God sealed in my blood. Let us drink with hope and with thanksgiving. The prophet Isaiah speaks forth these visionary words of hope. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forwards and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen.
May the God of the prophets give us the ability to recognize and name the signs of the times, the courage to speak truth to power, the imagination to dream new possibilities, and the energy to live that vision now. And in it all, may the peace of Christ, the comfort of the Spirit, and the safe love of God surround us and fill us, now and always. Amen. <laughs>